Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Pravnor and Navya, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior therapy is. We hope you stick around. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the very important topic of burnout and compassion fatigue in the context of psychotherapy. Burnout is a relatively common experience in workplaces, schools, and especially the area of healthcare. Today, we will share some information about the symptoms of burnout, discussing compassion fatigue and how it relates to burnout, exploring the impact of burnout, and providing some suggestions for how to cope with it. So just as we get started, what is burnout? Who is affected? What what are we really talking about? So looking at some studies, we found that providing social support and care can, although be greatly rewarding, it is still a very stressful job. There are many individuals working in such professions that have thus higher demands and can lead to the likelihood of experiencing these various adverse psychological outcomes. When we look at burnout, it seems to impact a large proportion of people with estimates calculating roughly anywhere from 13 to 25% of working individuals in Western countries experiencing burnout. More specifically, if we look at some psychology graduate students, a study looking at 387 students found that roughly 38% of the population reported experiencing burnout or compassion fatigue. So a large population Mm-hmm, definitely. And we can see this not just in students, but also in working individuals and so many different areas. Mm-hmm. So how exactly does burnout manifest and what are some of the symptoms? There's actually a wide range of them and I can just go over a few, but it really does depend on the individual and the circumstances. But some of them include feeling unhappy or irritable towards coworkers, friends, family and loved ones, some difficulty concentrating lacking energy. Some may also experience anxiety or depression symptoms. Another common symptom is isolation. So withdrawing from friends and family, also withdrawing from work colleagues or many different situations that people would have previously enjoyed. Substance abuse is another dangerous and also common symptom of burnout, even broken relationships and divorce and some somatic manifestations as well. So this could be stomach or headaches, changes in sleep patterns, some stomach or digestive problems, and there's many, many more, um, but these are just some of the key ones that we could see. Yeah, even as you were going through that list, Navia, I can definitely feel like I'm checking off some of those symptoms that you mentioned, especially when you are feeling like this great pressure around school or work. Yeah, I think I can also relate, Prabnur. There is a, a couple here. For example, for me, it was irritability, actually, when I was starting to notice that I'm getting tired especially emotionally, Mm -hmm. I started to get more irritable towards loved ones, even though there wasn't really a reason for it, trying to work harder at work and so getting more exhausted at home. Lots of different things that I think we could relate to from this list. Yeah, and I feel like it can sometimes even feel like a cycle that you're Mm -hmm. feeling unhappy, isolating yourself, and then that's only leading into you feeling this lack of energy and low motivation, and then you're going down this rabbit hole almost and not getting the help you need possibly or addressing some of those feelings that you are experiencing. But if we look at compassion fatigue and what that is specifically within burnout, so there is burnout, but there's also something 
called compassion fatigue. So if we look at compassion initially, compassion can be defined as this deep awareness of others suffering with a desire to relieve it. It is considered a vital element for a therapist and it has been associated with patient care and professional well-being. So something that is a big component of the therapeutic process or just this alliance that you have with another person in a supportive role. So on the other hand, now when we're looking at compassion fatigue, this is referring to those negative effects that clinicians can experience by being exposed to the hardships and trauma that their clients have undergone. So healthcare providers generally are more prone to experiencing compassion fatigue just because of the nature of their work. They're often with their patients, with their clients, surrounded by their stories and experiencing what they experienced to really understand the situation or see how they could help them. So so hearing all these stories and being really immersed in this environment can have detrimental effects on the clinician. Looking at compassion fatigue with burnout, there are some differences between the two. In particular, there's differences in rate of onset, long-term effects, and the intensity of symptoms that can be associated with the two. So if we look at compassion fatigue, it generally does have a quicker onset. It affects fewer aspects of one's life in comparison to burnout, and there is a high ability to to treat the experiences that you're going through. So understanding what you're experiencing and then seeing how you can possibly combat that or what you can do to change some of what is going on in your environment. Mm-hmm. I think compassion fatigue is such a prevalent thing just given the nature of therapists or healthcare in general. We're mm-hmm. expected to be there for clients. We're expected to be actively listening and to experience empathy for them to some extent while also maintaining a balance of our own self-care. And I think that's incredibly difficult, especially starting out as young professionals, to strike that balance and figure out where is this starting to affect me and where is it starting to affect my client as well because that's the last thing that we would want is getting over-involved and then having it impact our clients and the people that we're seeing. I think also one big thing, I mean, compassion fatigue, this is the first time really when I started the program that I'd heard of it. I really Mm -hmm. wasn't aware of what compassion fatigue could entail. I think burnout is something that is a lot more known. Rightfully so. It it can affect people in a variety of disciplines. Maybe Mm -hmm. compassion fatigue is a bit more specific to healthcare, but I think it also ties into you as a clinician and how you're providing the care. So you might not want to be over-involved, but you also want to check in with yourself to make sure that you are in the right space for yourself to be able Mm -hmm. to give therapy or treatment and be there for your clients because the last thing you would want is not wanting to support other people or feeling like you need to rush through others or you're just not mentally there and that is not supportive or helpful to the progression of therapy in general. Yeah and I think that's why it's been such a big thing that we've talked about in our courses as well just knowing that at a certain point, your involvement with a client and your, you know, your emotional relationship with a client can really affect things quite a bit. So being self-aware, checking in with yourself and having your own support systems ready for you when something like this might come up is so critical. And I'm glad that we're able to talk about this early on in our in our profession because now we're more prepared for what could possibly happen. And as we heard the stats, it is fairly common as well, burnout and compassion fatigue. Yeah, I remember 
Something that stuck out to me was something that was mentioned in one of our classes where if you feel like you're going into a therapy session and you're not there or you can't wait for it to be over, then you know something is up. I've always been very excited by going into sessions, especially as a learner, learning what to do, how I can contribute. But I found myself getting really tired towards the middle of my practicum. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, I have to attend group now. I <laughs> Can it cancel? Can it be something else? But I found myself noticing that, oh, mm-hmm. I why am I feeling this way? What's going on? And then seeing how I f- almost felt a little overworked because I was involving myself in so much and seeing what I could do about that so really being aware of what you're going through what you're experiencing and trying to address it when you can definitely and I think it's so difficult being in a program with a lot of other professionals because you're naturally going to compare yourself to others Mm -hmm. you're naturally going to want to do as much as other people are doing and that's one thing that I definitely experienced early on is wanting to get as much experience as I possibly could out of, let's say, the four months of our practicum or three months of our practicum. Mm -hmm. And so extending the practicum or taking on more responsibilities, all these different things, and then realizing that I really need to set boundaries for myself, not using other people's criteria, but more so what is my criteria for my level of awareness, what I am able to take on, and what I'm actually able to provide to people that I'm interacting with. So I think being the first practicum, I think it's difficult (laughs) because we're just figuring this stuff out. It's all very new to us. But hopefully in our next practicum, we're at least able to have more awareness about when I'm starting to feel some of these symptoms or starting to realize that I need more of a break that I'm giving myself. Yeah, and I think sometimes as a student or a learner, you feel compelled to get the most Mm -hmm. out of your experience. So you want to do more and you want to be involved in everything but sometimes that might not be the best thing to do and I think that brings us to the impact of burnout so we talked about the symptoms and those are the personal impacts of burnout on the individuals but there's also some bigger impacts for example the impact on the workplace is a really significant one and here it's important to differentiate between two terms Absenteeism refers to unscheduled absences from work, for example, taking mental health days, whereas presenteeism refers to employees that are physically going into work, but they're not actually productively working. And so this is really important to know because the impact of burnout in each of these cases actually varies. According to the U.S. Census Bureau and Bureau of Labor Statistics, the cost of absenteeism is estimated to be roughly $40 billion dollars which is a very big amount. I w- it definitely blew my mind hearing how much that impact is just financially. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the cost of presenteeism is estimated to be over $150 billion. Wow. And so what this, yeah, it's unbelievable. So what this suggests is that actually going into work when you're not able to take on that work responsibility is actually much more detrimental not only for yourself but even economically for your workplace and in general than it is to actually take those absences from work and I think that says a lot about our workplace culture as well and this Mm -hmm. is something that I came across in my own research where it feels more acceptable to actually go into work no matter what your physical mental state is than to miss work and actually take that time for yourself and I think that's where a lot of the changes maybe need to happen and we can discuss that next. But yeah, just that culture of I need to push through. I need to work harder. Um, This is just me. Like, I don't need to take time off. I need to keep grinding at it. I think that's so difficult and, and hard to combat. But 
very important as we can tell by the impact. I think what you mentioned about pushing through and keeping on going forward and moving and just getting the work done really does talk to this idea of society really valuing being a productive person and what that means exactly. to be productive and how mm-hmm. that is like getting your work done. If you're having a problem, you know, find the next solution and let's keep on moving. Let's get to that solution or let's get to that goal mm-hmm. that we have envisioned. And I think that although it it can be really helpful to motivate a group of individuals and push everyone further. It can be very detrimental when someone is in need of support and help and they can't access that or they feel scared to access it. There's this great stigma around it. And I think that is a great place to start is maybe talking more about burnout, talking about compassion fatigue and talk about how people are going to naturally feel Mm -hmm. these symptoms just because of the nature of what they're doing or just being tired. If you're working for so long, sometimes we need a break. Sometimes taking those two days when you get at the end of the week, it might be nice. And I think we're also talking from a side of great privilege to say that Mm -hmm. you can take those two days off and you should be taking them because that might not be the case for everyone. Some people do need to work seven days a week, multiple jobs Mm -hmm. to make ends meet. And that's the reality of the world we live in. But starting some conversations on how maybe we can offer more things or exploring what burnout is and what can be done is a great place to start learning about what we can do moving forward. Absolutely. I think it's so true. We're definitely speaking from a place of privilege, like you said, Pravnor. And I think that's why it has to be more of a systemic change rather than individual change necessarily, because you're right. Sometimes people can't take those days off. But perhaps if we were starting to consider, for example, taking a sick day as just as acceptable as taking a mental health day or multiple mental health days, Mm -hmm. maybe that's where people would just feel more comfortable recognizing burnout, recognizing when they need a break and also feeling comfortable enough to say, I'm going to take this day for myself for a couple of days. Yeah, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but hopefully by starting these conversations, people recognizing burnout in themselves or in their employees, we can really have more of a collaborative effort against burnout versus individuals combating it on their own. Yeah, and I mean, if we're even just looking at the stats that you shared and the cost associated with the negative Mm -hmm. impacts of burnout, you see that it is not really it's not really pushing you forward towards that envisioned goal that you have as a team or as a business. It's costing you more, in fact. And Mm -hmm. if that's the case, maybe you really need to look at the cost and benefit of the situation as well. And if that's one way that you like to understand things. So seeing what is a better way, not only from like the cost side of stuff, but also from an individual point of view and what's helpful to one person and then society in general can be something to explore yeah definitely a place to start and just I think people hearing these stats I think that that would be a great start in itself Mm -hmm. and that's why we wanted to share them in our podcast because even for Prabhnur and I being in the field and recognizing the importance of of knowing burnout seeing how it's affecting you and then intervening these numbers are still quite unbelievable. So I think for people who maybe haven't even discussed burnout as much, it might be even more motivating to change and to actually do something. 
So we're talking a lot about what can we do and what can we do to address some of these experiences that individuals are having. So if we look at psychotherapy or social support in general and the associated careers, there are various things that can be done and research shows that has been helpful to individuals. Initially, looking at supervision and or mentorship. So with within psychotherapy, especially if you are still in the processes of becoming a fully independent licensed Mm -hmm. psychotherapist, there is this component of supervision. And what is supervision entirely? It is essentially you meeting with a established or with an established clinician who has experience working and referring to them when you need help, whether it's you're unsure about how to proceed with a client, you have questions about the therapy, just really having them kind of like a mentor and going to them when you need help. So this really ties in with the supervision aspect, mentorship, and also looking at debriefing opportunities. So opportunities where you can maybe come together with your team if you're working, let's say, in a private practice and having the space to talk about what you are experiencing, issues or things that come up in therapy and how you can help each other and support one another in that realm. Definitely. In my research, what I found is that supervision, there's roughly two types. There's probably many others, but two main Mm -hmm. types. So one is a case management approach, and that's more so what are you doing in therapy? What are your treatment options and how are you addressing clients? And the other is more of a self-reflective, supportive role of a supervisor. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about here, Prabnur, with the debriefing options is that kind of supervision where you're able to address some of these difficulties, you're able to address strengths and weaknesses and challenges and be vulnerable with the supervisor is extremely helpful. And that's actually what the research has found as well, is that the more self-reflective versus case management approach to supervision can be very effective in actually reducing burnout in professionals. So I think something as simple as having a mentor and having someone that you're able to trust and check in with continuously, whether it's formal or informal, can have really great impacts. And I know for me, having a a great supervisor and someone that's been with me for the past three months, I've gotten a lot more open with them. I'm able to discuss some of these things and just getting that validation sometimes that it's not uncommon to feel this way and that a lot of professionals, whether they're new or they've been working for a very long time, have similar experiences and it's something that we can work together and you're not alone, you're not isolated and having to combat this yourself. Yeah, and I think with that also tying into professional development Mm -hmm. and various opportunities that can arise in that area. So looking at workshops and looking at presentations, seminars, really anything that you feel that could also enhance your learning, your Mm -hmm. techniques, so you have more confidence in what you're doing and just really continuing to upgrade your education. And within professional development, there's a few different kinds as well. If we look at explicit learning and implicit learning, now explicit could be those workshops, presentations, seminars that you attend, but Mm -hmm. implicit could also have this big component of reflecting on what is going on. And I think that's something that is quite common to the profession Mm -hmm. where we do encourage a lot of reflecting on what you're doing, what you're feeling. And I think this can be very helpful to clinicians as individuals reflecting on what they're experiencing, what they went through in therapy sessions, and just trying to learn from that, but also trying to have that as a checkpoint to see how they're feeling in a moment. Definitely. I think professional development is such a key in our field, especially, but I think in any field, 
pretty cool because we talked a lot about imposter syndrome in a previous episode and mm-hmm. sometimes getting the chance to actually check in with yourself and your your strengths and what exactly your skill set is is really helpful for not only combating imposter syndrome but also burnout because according to the research there's high correlation between the two and so just being able to be in a professional environment where you can learn your skills practice skills and it's a safe way to do it it's definitely a great great opportunity to start to um, deal with some of the burnout or at least prevent some of it from happening as well and I think key to that is Mm self-care I know it's something that a lot of people talk about we hear it everywhere but it is honestly so so important In terms of self-care, there's something that has really stood out to me that we've learned in our classes, and it's a little metaphor for self-care and self-compassion as well, where basically what it is is that you can't pour from an empty glass, so make sure that you're filling your glass before you're pouring it out to other people. And what that means essentially is that us as therapists or someone in the helping professions is offering a lot to other people, whether that's emotionally, physically, or mentally. And so if we're not able to keep our glass full and maintain our own self-care, it's really difficult for us to be present for all of those around us. And interestingly, self-care is also an ethical imperative, according to the Canadian Psychological Association. So it's such a key part of who you are as a professional and in terms of ethics as well, that it's just a great idea to start to figure out what self-care works for you, how you'd like to schedule in self-care, and how exactly you would go about it when you're starting to notice symptoms of compassion fatigue or burnout. Yeah, and I think self-care is so amazing because it can Mm -hmm. be so individualized and it is so unique to the person. What one person thinks is great for them as self-care might not be something that another person appreciates. Mm -hmm. So really understanding you as an individual and what you like to do. And it could honestly just be hanging out with friends, taking the evening off to read a book, listening Mm -hmm. to our podcast maybe, Mm -hmm. or listening to any podcast, watching movies, just having time to do nothing really just exploring different activities that you enjoy and trying to schedule some time maybe if that's something that's hard for you to think that you know it's really hard for me to take out the time or mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to do self-care well if you're one that likes scheduling things and having things in your calendar maybe set aside a set amount of time to schedule whatever it is that you enjoy doing mm-hmm. as your self-care moment and that could be a nice way to rewind and just connect with yourself again think that's something that we've talked about in our classes where when you're feeling burnout you may not even want to be engaging in self-care which is why it's so important Mm -hmm. to be doing it constantly almost like doing it very frequently because that way you don't even get to that point hopefully and if you do then you're already in the routine of engaging in self-care you may already have a process or a schedule set for it so say every Friday at 5 p.m that's your self-care time that's great because then it's something you look forward to it's something that's scheduled and you can sort of plan your life around it versus feeling burnt out or feeling overwhelmed in the moment and then not being able to schedule in self-care when you actually need it and I think that brings us to balance as well just having a balance in your life overall whether that's through self-care or through just different leisure activities. And something we talked about in our seminar class is the mind platter, which I think is a really great 
way to organize just all these different aspects of our life that we're responsible for whether that's relationships or leisure activity even your own sleep and spirituality and just maintaining some sort of balance between all of these and it's easier said than done of course that we always talk Mm -hmm. about balance in our podcasts and in psychotherapy but I think this is especially key to just be aware of and to start to act towards and noticing I'm really not giving any attention, for example, to leisure activities. And that's something that I want to do more and setting your own goals for that. It's a great place to start, I think, for self-care as well as overall just maintaining a balance in your practice. And I think within self-care, even looking at your social support and Mm -hmm. if that means hanging out with family, uh, spending time with friends or other individuals going out and experiencing different things, having a picnic, going out on patios while they're Mm. still open. So just, you know, doing things that you enjoy, getting that social support around you and just seeing what works for you. And that can also include a variety of different interventions. There is a lot of research out there on different interventions that are available for burnout and compassion fatigue. Some examples include mindfulness and acceptance commitment therapy interventions. So these are mostly focused on maintaining a flexible mindset and how beneficial that can be for burnout. So for example, we talked about the rigid belief that we might have in certain workplace cultures, which is push through, work hard, and get stuff done. And having more flexibility around some of those values and some of those cultural influences can really Mm -hmm. be helpful when you're setting your own boundaries and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. So that's something that's been proven to be effective for burnout. And then we talked about some workplace level changes. So changing just the environment in the workplace, making sure that you're colleagues are working together against burnout and not individually in a competitive workplace environment. Another example is actually reminding colleagues and offering incentives for them taking time for self-care, time for leisure, time to go out for a walk during their lunch break instead of continuing to respond to emails. So there's a lot of different things that we can do in a workplace to combat some of this stuff. And then we talked about cultural changes. I think that's really the key here in a big picture at least where if we can start to make some of these changes and I think it is starting I'm starting to hear more people say that I I took a day off because I I needed it mentally and it's Mm -hmm. not just the physical things that we need to look at like taking a sick day but also being okay with um, people taking days off for other reasons and being open to that and actually encouraging it as well because we saw what the impacts can be if people are showing up to work when they're burnt out or they're experiencing compassion fatigue. Yeah, and I think all these factors really would contribute to the betterment of Mm -hmm. how we may even view compassion fatigue or burnout and how we can possibly address some of those areas that we feel like we really do need to work on to help out the people that could be experiencing this. And with the stats that we saw, it's not just a few. There's a lot of individuals that are being impacted with it. And I can definitely speak from my personal experience. I feel like in many different stages of my life, I've experienced different levels of mm-hmm. burnout, uh, especially thinking back to like university. I remember being so exhausted in oh, classes, yeah. especially towards the end of it, coming near the end of a degree. I was very ready to just be done and move on, only to find myself in another degree. But that's <laughs> besides 
besides the point, I think, yeah, talking about it, learning more about what you can do, because sometimes it can be confusing. Now you have all this information, but now what do I do with it? And something that I think was really nice of our class to do is we connected. So we were doing some check-ins throughout the middle and we found that a lot of us were feeling tired within our practicum or we just felt like with COVID, it was hard. Mm -hmm. No one had really seen people in a while. So connecting in person was something that was really exciting and something to look forward to. So even us using each other as a social support and organizing a very small get together with a few individuals from the class, Mm -hmm. snap you out. I remember one of the first ones was with me, you, Mm -hmm. and then a few other friends meeting in person. It was so bizarre because Navi and I met online yeah. and started everything online so seeing Navia for the first time in person I was like oh my god Navia there's more of you than just a head and shoulders <laughs> not all that much more but yeah there's a little <laughs> bit more but I think you're so right about the pandemic as well we can't negate the large effect that a p- global pandemic has right on oh, people yeah. in the healthcare profession and I think that's another area that we can definitely talk about burnout and the pandemic but that's had a huge impact impact on hospitals, on frontline workers, honestly everywhere, just people in general have been so Mm -hmm. impacted by it. And so I think it's easy enough to say that you should be doing self-care and doing all these different things. And I think that's great, but also appreciating that there are some factors outside of our control, like a pandemic. There's not much we can do about it, but there's a lot we can do to take care of ourselves during the situation. Yeah, no, I I think you're absolutely right. Just reflecting on what you need, what can be helpful, Mm. maybe doing some trial and error and seeing what you actually like and what works for you. But a lot of stuff to consider. I think with today, we did get to touch on quite a few things. So Mm -hmm. looking at burnout, what does that mean? Who is it impacting? And then within burnout, even looking at compassion fatigue and how that may be a bit more specific to certain clinicians or certain areas within the helping field, but really understanding what it is, what can happen, and maybe some ways that you as an individual or one as a society can move towards accepting it more, sort of destigmatizing it and seeing what we can do and how we can continue to learn more about burnout and compassion fatigue. Just a reminder that this information is meant to be purely educational. We are not health professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. Any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So we recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and your well-being. We also want to leave you with some resources. So there are a variety of places that you can explore to learn more about mental health or even access help in moments of crisis or those where you just feel like you need a little bit more of a supportive voice to talk to. This can include Good to Talk, Kids Help Phone, Connects Ontario, and Wellness Together Canada. And these are just a few to name within Canada and Ontario specifically, but there are a variety of resources that are available dependent on the country you're in or the place that you are listening from. So we do encourage you to explore your local resources for mental health and please reach out if you need help. And just a reminder that you can connect with us through our email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com. 
and our Instagram page at So Tell Me More Podcast. You can check out our Instagram page for any future updates, and it's a great way to share what you're interested in hearing on our podcast or any other feedback. We're always very open to feedback, and we'd love to hear what you think. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening right now. And with that, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new or simply enjoyed our exploration of burnout and compassion fatigue. We're excited to continue exploring new topics in future episodes, but for now, stay safe and take care. Thank you.